everyone, welcome back. It's Roger Abel with Behind the Wealth. Uh, I'm fortunate enough today to have what I'd call uh, as much of a local legend as, as I know here in Eastern Iowa, Mike Grimm. Um, and Mike's actually my cousin, and we actually we explored doing a show. What was that? Maybe two years ago. Yeah. Locally in the Minneapolis area, on, on a financial topic, and um, Mike Mike has his experience in this area. And if people don't know Mike, Mike actually is the voice of the Golden Gophers, or when I refer to him here, the Gary Dolphin of Minnesota. So right. I like to welcome Mike. Hey, Roger, how's it going? Great to see you. Yeah, you know, I was thinking it's been 20 years exactly, almost 20 years exactly, uh, since the last time I was regularly on um, my daily Mike Grimm show on WMT. So it's been, uh, to say local legend, people are probably like, who's that clown that he's got next to him on the screen there? But, uh, yeah, for a time I was uh, I was on uh, I was on radio uh, every day, and, and uh, this is kind of a funny story. The show was called What's Happening that I hosted, and um, after a while, I just started calling it the Mike Grimm Show just because that, you know, I was young and wanted my own show. <laughs> and um, it kind of just morphed into that. So by the end, I had coffee, mugs, and T-shirts that said the Mike Grimm Show. Well, I think it's it's interesting that you did a financial show 20 years ago. And today, our office, Premier Investments of Iowa, is the financial show that we've actually been on the air since March of 2009. So we're the longest-running live show and we started out on the bob bruce radio experience yep because you know bob wanted to have his show yeah um and, and we've been doing this for you know what 12 years it'll be 12 years next month and i just started thinking about these parallels between what's happened when you were doing this versus what's happening now where the industry's gone and one of the things that really got me interested about how you did your show back then um and to get some insight because we've talked briefly about it but not really in depth and hopefully, you know, I, I know you're 20 years older. Hopefully the memory hasn't completely shot you at this point. But we're seeing this resurgence in the day trading type phenomenon. And I guess maybe take us back to when your show started and, and talk a little bit to me about, you know, what was happening at that point in time with markets and how people were feeling and how the structure of your actual show was. Yeah, for sure. I It's weird. I could remember stuff from then better than I can remember what I did yesterday. So uh, I somewhere I've got this memory of stuff years gone by, but I, I can barely remember what, you know, I had for breakfast this morning. So um, I, 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 I can probably recall quite a bit of stuff. But the show, I'm uh, this part, I'm a little murky on. I'm going to say the show probably started in about 96 um, or so, uh, mid-96 to 97, somewhere in there. Um, and th this is how it kind of picked up steam. So it started as a, we called it Money on Mondays was the name of the show, and it was every Monday. And we, we did it um, the first uh, while. It was the first Monday of every month. And um, it got to be pretty popular. Um, it was um, the late Augie Garino was, the, was uh, at that time he worked for A.G. Edwards, which I don't, I, I not even, are they still, have they been merged? Have they have a different name now maybe? I, I'm not even sure. Yeah. In 07, 08, somewhere in there, they actually merged with Wachovia, okay. who is then bought by Wells Fargo. So <laughs> the old legacy A.G. Edward guys who are still with him would be with Wells Fargo at gotcha, this point. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, anyway, so it started with him, um, and it was just the first Monday of every month for an hour. And we were just taking phone calls from listeners. I and mean, we would talk about the markets. We'd talk about different things. 
Um, and we were taking phone calls from listeners. And back then it was even, we didn't even have a call screener. It was just, I'd just hit the button and say, hello, you're on the air. It's money on Mondays. And they say, this is George from Central City. And I've got money in this. And what do you think? And it was, and people really kind of caught on. So, um, and then they got some success off it. Um, you know, they started to, to, to find people uh found what they thought they were talking about interesting and compelling and so they started to get some clients so they wanted to expand um, so we went to two hours and easily filled that and then we went to every other Monday and I'm going to say within a year it was every Monday for two full hours and even up to this point this day um, and I've done a lot of shows over the years where you know I spent time in St. Louis you know hosting Cardinals post-game shows and uh, you know, you're getting a lot of calls. I'd say that that two hour stretch was uh, of anything I've done the most um, generated the most calls, the most, you know, hey, I want to know this. Well, he brought on Mark Nolan. Augie Garino brought on Mark Nolan and um, and Mark then became almost like a play by play guy. Like he would legitimately, you know, they'd have they'd have ratings on the stocks. <clears throat> so some guy would call in and I'm just going to throw this out because it was at the time a local stock. Hey, I got 200 shares of McLeod let's say and and he said well right now we currently have a buy on that stock it's at you know 22 and a half we have it projected to go to 28 Uh, we recommend to buy that stock and this is part of the day trading part i think you're talking about we were getting calls on all kinds of stocks and then mark and augie would have their info in front of them and you know we'd have to disclaim everything like it's hey you know we're not you know this is just generic advice we don't know everyone's individual situation but it was legal and i don't know what the rules are now for what you guys can do but it was legal then he could say what the company recommended and he said we have a sell on that we have a buy on that we have a hold on that well in 97 98 and there's a buy on everything right like almost everything uh, has a buy on if it. If it had a dot com behind yeah. it, it had a buy. And so it did. It was it it gained steam. I can remember two people talking about, um, you know, even people I worked with at the station. They'd head home for lunch, and they'd flip on CNBC and they'd be paying attention to what what you know. I've got this. I've got that. And they're watching the ticker. And and I think people still do that. And in between then and now. Um, I think that faded other than Roger people like you would obviously pay a close attention but I don't think like you said the day trader like I wasn't a day trader I wasn't investing on a daily basis but I was still enthralled by it and I'd watch that ticker and I knew I had this and I knew I had that and we watched some stuff ride up and knew some stuff ride down and I I clearly you know in radio you don't make a, a fortune so it wasn't like I had a big number but a lot of people did and yeah eventually that uh, that, that tech bubble kind of kind of pop but from you know we're talking 90 so I that show started I'm going to say in mid 97 I had left the station in uh, July of 01 and we were still doing the show at that point. So, you know, um, once I left, I, I don't remember exactly who took it over, but um, it continued for a little bit. Mark Nolan then left. Uh, he went out to Las Vegas and started his own uh, deal out there. Augie passed away, and, and I think the show kind of just faded off. But, yeah, that was – it was fun. It was an enjoyable show. I learned so much. I think listeners really appreciated it back then, too. Now, I think that one of the things that intrigued me was – this was at kind of the height of the day trading bubble. And if you think about how information flowed, radio at that time and TV was the primary source of information flow, right? And I, I think you hit it right on the head and you said for the last 20 years, the day trader has seemed to just kind of fade away. And, and we've seen this transition in our industry away from that of picking individual stocks, individual bonds, what's the next home run to diversify portfolios, and then more to this pure financial planning side 
up until like the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, as soon as coronavirus happened, we've seen this resurgence of uh, day traders. And I don't know, there, there's the, the theory out there that this is potentially because these are all you know, gamblers that had no games to put money on. So they said, hey, we'll go to the ultimate gambling table, you know, the stock market. Um, and it's been fueled by some different things. And I don't know how much you follow it, but you're, you're reading the news every day. Right. But I feel like the Reddit and the Wall Street bets and the internet now is the new information flow. How, how is that like, how do you see that affecting, you, you see in sports, is the information flow still radio? Is it more internet now? I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, I think everything has changed, right? Um, and, and I think I'd even add in, like, once the pandemic hit, people are at home. So you have more time. You've got, you're sitting there on the computer. Well, hey, I, I heard about this stock or I did some research uh, while I, between my actual job. I'm going to sit here at the computer because I'm at home. You know, if you're at work, you you might not try to pull that off. But if you're at home, I think it's given people some more freedom to, to um to do some stuff there uh, that they normally wouldn't because the workday switch now a lot of people I you know for me even my workday is is unique anyway for, for my job but I talk to all kinds of people who are like yeah I, I probably am more productive working at home than I was in the office but my hours have changed you know I'm I'm taking three hours in the middle of the day off now and going to the bank and going out to you know grab a bite to eat or grocery shopping where before I'm stuck up by cubicle um, well I'm taking three hours off in the middle of the day when it used to be, I'd get home at five and work was done. You know, I'd I'd make a meal, I'd watch some TV, maybe watch a game or a movie. Not me personally. I'm just saying this is just in general terms. And then now, um, I took the three hours off in the middle of the day when normally I'd be at my office in a cubicle. Well, now it's six at night. <clears throat> I'm gonna sit back down and crank out in a couple more hours of work. And I'm gonna go to bed. And then instead of getting up at eight, I get up at ten, or I get up real early, or I can't sleep. You can do work any time. And so I think people have found, I think it's going to be interesting to see when, quote, things get back to normal, how the workplace will emerge out of that. Uh, you know, certainly there are some jobs that are going to require people to go to work, but I got to believe some companies are going to say, um, why are we paying thousands of dollars in rent when we had great production from our workers working from home here? Um, you know, we can outfit them with things. So anyway, that's a sidebar to what you're saying. Uh, in my job, for example, I do sportscast every day. In addition to my gopher duties, I'm the sports director at a place called the Minnesota News Network. Um, now, when and I think it's the same back when we were doing the Money on Monday show, we didn't, you know, there were, cell phones were just in, its, in their infancy. They were big and clunky, and there certainly weren't smartphones and digital. It was to make a phone call. And so to get stock market up-to-date deal, you either listen to the noon report on the radio or you watch the news or you watch CNBC or it was starting to work. The internet at that point, remember, this is so hard to fathom. The internet in 97 is only, I mean, in terms of a mainstream deal, is probably only three or four years old at that point, right? I mean, the internet really came into fruition in the, you know, mid-90s, really. Um, I mean, I graduated from Luther College in 93. There wasn't an internet. There, I mean, there was, but nobody knew about it, right? So 97, people are at home on their dial-ups trying to, you know, punch in a stock symbol. Well, now you can be anywhere, and you've got a phone, and in about two clicks of the button, you can see what your entire portfolio looks like. So that part has changed, and in my job, the same thing. Um, you know, when I was doing sportscast at WMT, we would run through – um, scores. The, mor the morning sports was mostly scores, whether it was well, last night in high school baseball, Roger Abel hit a home run for Lindmar and they beat Washington 4-2 to two, uh, and you move on and on and you got, you know, the Hawkeyes did this or the Cyclones did this and you give the score. 
right? I can't believe you remember that. Well, of course. I, I remember it all. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I had a good memory. <laughs> well, but, I, you know, I actually went and looked for a Lindmar cap this morning. I've I got my, you that West I Delaware got the, one, uh, so. I'm, I'm a little a tip of the cap, so to speak, to the West Delaware Hawks, of course. Um, but now everyone can get those scores. Like if I want to know what the Lindmar baseball score is in two clicks on my smartphone, I find their Twitter handle or something and somebody – has the score posted or if I want to know what the Hawkeye basketball team's doing who do they play tonight oh Rutgers boom I'm clicked on it and I have it so from a sportscast standpoint I'm now I've kind of shifted how I do my job I'm more of a storyteller as opposed to a score giver so when I give my Minnesota sports in the morning um, like for let's say this morning for example there were no games last night so it's a little hard but let's say yesterday's sports the Wolves and the Gophers played on Monday night it, it would used to have been, you know, the Gophers beat Nebraska uh, 79 to 61, and you might give a detail or two. Um, well, everyone by that time that cares knows the score, right? It, it, it's not a problem. So um, you have to tell the story. So I do post-game interviews, and you do this, and it's like, well, um, here's, how they, here's how it happened. As opposed to scores, you now have to further advance it and, and tell a little bit of a story. So even that part's changed uh, just in the information age that we have now. That you know, As they say, info is power, and you know, you've got this, this little device here, these cell phones, and in two or three clicks of, of, a, of a touchpad, you can, get, you can access just about any info you want. It's beautiful in one hand, and in another hand, it's, uh, it's very distracting. I know uh, my wife and kids sometimes will say, can you put your phone down for a minute? Uh, we're trying to have a conversation here. And I'll be, yeah, you're right, and I'll you know, throw the phone to the side. But it, um, it, it's changed everything, I think. No, I, I think that's a really good um, analysis that you made because we've seen the same shift in our industry. So what, what really has happened is information has been completely commoditized. And just telling someone, hey, Apple's good or Apple's bad no longer is meaningful. Right, because they can get um, it. What's meaningful, yeah. they can get it. It's easy. Like you said, you have to provide the color and the story. And if you think about the financial world, what I think has changed drastically is the color or the commentary that we provide is the production of financial planning and digging deeper to help people do investments. It's, I mean, I can't tell you the last, I mean, a few people call, hey, what stock should I buy? Well, I mean, what do you wanna buy? Yeah. You have the information that, I mean, we're not researching that, we're trying to help people figure out what steps they need to take in their financial life now to get to retirement, to make it through retirement and quantify for them how how good they're going to do. What's their probability that they'll never run out of money in retirement? Where I'm guessing on the show back in 1999, so let's take the memory back, yep. how many calls did you get to the show saying, hey, tell me how I do a financial plan? I'm not sure they existed outside of an insurance person trying to make some life insurance sale at yeah. that point in time. Well, that that's it. I mean, we, uh, we would talk about that some, you know, where, uh, in fact, our disclaimer at the time, um, that we played at the start was hey this is uh, th- this is not specific for anybody it's generic advice and I forget it's it's um, if you I think we even said if you want specific financial advice relating to your situation you know call somebody for an, uh, to figure out your entire portfolio or something like that but I want to say you know if I if I recall right I want to say back then um, a lot of it was uh, what those guys did was mostly stocks. Now, I don't mean speci- you know, it doesn't have to be specific stocks, although a lot of that at that time was, hey, buy this, buy that, buy this specific stock and watch it, you know, 
go. There were mutual funds, obviously, and, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, but much less of a, um, you know, if you wanted to I- include, you know, an annuity, let's say, or life insurance or, um, you know, even now they did obviously IRAs and all that stuff and, and Roths and, and what have you. Roths were just kind of starting at that time. It became a really popular oh, yeah. investment, you know, and I probably still is. But the um, but but I think at that point, and, and I'm not trying to knock anybody that, that is selling life insurance now, but now, um, you know, I don't know how many life insurance policies stockbrokers, quote unquote, sold in the 90s. Now, that's all part of everybody's deal. Oh, well, we're going to put you in stocks. We're going to get you, you know, whatever it is. And everyone's got their own philosophy. There are really smart people. And I don't know what yours is, quite frankly, but, you know, really smart people say, oh, you should you should buy an annuity or you should buy, a, you know, a, a, um, a, a life insurance policy. And they're really smart people who say that's the dumbest thing you could ever do. So everybody's got their own situation. And I, I don't, you know, do, do what, what do you do and how do you handle it? And I suppose some of it depends on how much money you make, uh, how much money you're projected to have, and how do you maximize all those things with what you have to uh, to pour into the bucket. No, and I think that that's actually, you know, talking about individual products, I think our, our industry, at least in our office, has transitioned further than that. I mean, we are to the point where we're literally providing financial advice, and that's it. And then whatever product or solution happens to fall in there, it's not really, it's not a sale. We're, we're gonna provide a solution. This is what you need to be to successful. We've quantified this through, you know, all the technology and software that's available. And then either you wanna, you believe in the solution or you don't, mm-hmm. right? You, you believe you wanna be successful in retirement or you don't. And that's really the road that we go down with each individual person where, you know, I, I think back to 20 years ago, the litmus test for if you were doing well was, well, how much did I make? Mm-hmm. How much money did I make? Today, that's not the litmus test. The litmus test is, hey, how long will my money last? And then, you know, we talk a lot about in our office, and if you go to our website, btwellshow.com, you can download our guide, How to Be Financially Successful, but also, you know, what's the appropriate asset allocation that gives you the highest probability of success versus this is the greatest investment. We, we joke that, you know, one investment may be the greatest for one person, but the worst for the next, yeah. based upon your soul situation and, and where you are financially and what you need to accomplish. So the, the, the litmus test of doing well is no longer what's your rate of return. Um, we have a guide here where we talk about establishing a fair rate of return because everybody's chasing you know, what cousin Eddie next door did or <laughs> Uncle Joe did and Bob the financial guy, no, who's not a financial guy. He just watches CNBC and now, you know, what are they talking about on Reddit and, you know, all this different stuff. It, it just clouds people's judgment of what they have to do. In reality, if people sit down, do a financial plan and come up and say, hey, I know if I make six and a half percent on average the next 20 years, I'm successful. Well, then it doesn't matter what the neighbor does. It doesn't matter what the stock market does. As long as you're accomplishing your goal, it really helps people you know, tune out this media presence. And I, I don't think media is bad. You're the media. At some level, I'm like a mini media, right? For the people right. that follow my show and listen. Um, but you have to know where you're getting this advice from and what the underlying, I, I should say, motivation for people to buy, buy into this advice. Um, I've been reading articles for the last five years. There's going to be a market crash. There's going to be a market crash. And I get calls and emails from clients. What do you think? I heard the market's going to crash. Well, yeah, it probably will. I just don't know when. Right. And you don't either. Nobody's got a crystal ball, right? 
I mean, the crystal ball, I, I wish I could name my firm crystal ball financial. I'd right. have a line down the street <laughs> and people would just show up and do business, but, but it's not reality in how things work. Um, and, and that flow of technology and information is vastly changed from the time that you did the show, because, you know, I had a John Deere engineer in my office. This is probably two years ago, you know, and this guy, he'd written like a software program for John Deere and how to analyze their health insurance. And he and John Deere said, hey, can we use that? He wrote it for his personal use. And they said, could we use it for all the employees? So this guy's like mega smart, right? I mean, he's making me feel silly. Yeah. And his wife's an ex-stock broker. And she had to get up and go to the bathroom. And he goes, I figured out what it is you do. I go, really? Tell me, because <laughs> you guys, like, you're super smart. I'm listening to you. He goes, what you've become is the ability for me to analyze my entire financial picture in about 30 seconds with the technology that you have versus that that I'd have to build. Mm -hmm. And that's where he saw the value is. So you talk about that shift of having to become a storyteller. We're almost becoming this technology resource for people because ultimately there's so much information about what a good investment is or what you know, you don't have to figure it out. It's so easy. Like you said, now we've transitioned to providing all this technological value to people that they can't do or they can't afford because they couldn't buy the software or more importantly, they probably couldn't interpret the software. Mm -hmm. You know, if you throw garbage in right. a computer, what comes out? Right. More garbage. Yeah. So, I mean, talk a little bit about like your, I mean, do you see technology outside of your iPhone more in your industry helping with your storytelling? Is, is there any parallels you see there? Well, two, yeah, so two things. Just, I mean, from a logical, like a pragmatic standpoint, the smartphone has been good just because, you know, I can now, I can now do, um, I mean, it's all different now because of the, the, the pandemic. And, I mean, we're doing games. I'm broadcasting the road games off of a TV screen now from Minnesota instead of being at Purdue or at Iowa or what have you. So, you know, hopefully we get back to normal there. Um, so we're using technology in different ways. But from an iPhone, just even pragmatically, um, if I'm at practice and all of a sudden something happens, I can, um, I can run over to the coach and I can do an interview I can just crank a tape on them. Uh, you know, I don't need a tape recorder. I don't need a camera. I don't need to bring gear. I've got my iPhone on my jeans pocket. <laughs> I pull it out and I tape an interview and email it to myself. I drive home, and by the time I'm home, I call up the interview. I cut it up, and I've got stuff for my sportscast. Like that, you know, I mean, way back, not, you know, not to go, you know, when I first started at WMT, uh, you needed a tape recorder. Then you needed to re-record it into a system, and then you needed to, uh, you know, Find where you wanted, you know, where you wanted to start the soundbite and put it on this thing that looked like an eight-track. It was called a cart, and then start it and stop it, and then it would play on that on that thing. And we'd end up with a stack of soundbites on these carts, you know. Well, now it's all, you know, on a computer, and I just hit a button and I cut it and I save it, and then I line up my cuts and I I, I fire them off. So that that really. You know, obviously technology changed everything. Just you and me being able to sit, you know, 250 miles apart and seem like we're, you know, in the room next door is is quite remarkable when you think about it. You know, as as you know, things uh, continue to move forward. And then, um, you know, you mentioned the day trading thing. I, I think also, like, I think there's a number of people now that might not be doing day trading just to strike it rich or this is going to be part of my investment. Like you said, I think maybe they're bored. And you got E-Trade apps and you've got Robin Hoods and all these different things. And I don't think it's I don't think anyone's going to say, hey, I'm going to replace Roger and just start throwing all my money onto Robin Hood. But I do think there are people who might have, you know, 
$2,000 of play money or something. And, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'll buy a startup or I'll, you know, buy into I've heard about this. Or or maybe they're just going to say I'm going to plow $2,000 into Amazon and, and, and double my money in six months, you know, or what have you. So I think there's it's a hobby. I don't think it's a I mean, I'm sure there are people who are trying to do it for a living. Even my son. Uh, you know, he's got a he's a college student now, believe it or not. And he's he's working part time. So he's got a little bit of an income coming in now. He's 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 doing some stuff on his phone where he's he bought Boeing stock the other day because he felt like or was it? I don't remember. He was considering a bunch of stuff. So he bought like 50 bucks. You're right. Or 100 bucks. And it's not, you know, a kid that has a part time job. That's that's a decent little chunk of money. He's still, you know, funneling others into other areas. But um, I, I think you're seeing maybe some of that I, hobby, I guess, is how I'd call it. Like you said, maybe it's it's a, you know fulfilling a little bit of a need for some people. I don't know if it's gambling or what have you, but I do think just because it's easy, you got an app. Okay, uh, here's my money, and then again, like you said, it's instantly prints out. Here's here's the here's what I've got in holdings, and um, all right, I'm going to move this. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to buy that, and just to fill time in some cases. But I, I don't think it certainly is is in relation to like oh I don't need I don't need you know, an investment advisor. I don't need to have someone figure out with all the technology you guys provide, like the John Deere guys said. I mean, you need that now. Uh, people need that when you're, you know, when you're like, I just turned 50 this year. You know, I need someone that can tell me where, uh, you know, what, what my money's doing and and are we still meeting the goals we need and when do you need to shift those goals and all that stuff. That said, if I'm sitting on my couch watching the basketball game tonight, I might click on to I don't but someone like me might click on you know one of these apps that you can just buy and sell a stock and say yeah I'm gonna throw 500 bucks at this or depending on if you're real rich maybe you then you know throw a thousand or ten thousand or whatever um, for me it'd be like ten bucks but you know that's what you do so I think there's there's maybe a re, re, uh, you know resurgence in that kind of investing as well which in a weird way if there's enough of those people can absolutely influence the stock market right Well, we're we're a hundred percent seeing that, and I think you know two things I take away from it is number one, I think it's really neat that there is a another generation that's excited as excited about investing as there was twenty years ago, because I feel like that crash in two thousand one and then two thousand eight, two thousand nine took the steam out of a lot of people. I'm like, man, I just can't do this. I can't stomach stomach this and it seems like the kids today or the i shouldn't call them kids but the younger adults the millennials that are engaging in this robin hood app are really pretty you know they're okay with the risk like I, people talk and say they don't know the risk i actually think they do know the risk um but what what i think in what i think the resurgence of this whole day trading is it's it was a creation of the app because i didn't hear much of this talk in our industry until robin hood rolled this app out like a year and a half ago and it started picking up steam and the the sheer reason why i think back to your show 20 years ago if somebody called up augie or mark and said hey i have 300 dollars to invest well they would have paid like $60 in fees just to make that investment. And it was almost like, no, we can't do it. We're now your son who's sitting right. at home has 50 bucks. He can make this trade for free. And, and I always tell people, they'll look back and say, man, I wish I would have done this. Or, you know, I made a bad investment 20 years ago. Well, you know what the good news is? You actually did something. So your son's making an investment. Right. Whether it works out or not, that's not the point. He's engaged and thinking about his future now it may be more because Robinhood has completely gamified this app right like right. you win these things called tendies i don't know it's got like fireworks <laughs> going off and i mean they're i don't have the app but they're coming under a lot of fire from the sec 
about hey have you made this game this app more like a video game which that goes a whole nother route of the whole video game culture and yeah. you know is this what's engaging people but in my opinion at some point they'll make some bad investments but eventually the the loss will hurt enough but they'll still like to do it and say okay well maybe i should go look at right. a more diversified mutual fund or exchange traded fund or whatever it is yep. to keep going um i think it's i think it's absolutely captivating that your son's doing it now that said i haven't got a call yet yeah I'll have so to. i'll have um, to uh, get him going <laughs> well and and here's the other thing uh, i think that's interesting about it so he just really started it a couple weeks ago like he's he's maybe i'm going to say no more than three weeks into this and he hasn't made a lot of trades he doesn't have a great deal of money but he is following it like you said there's interest there and every day um he'll mention because um, right now he, he's in an interesting situation he goes to school about an hour from where we live we live in the in the twin cities uh, he goes to wisconsin river falls which is about an hour away so um he has a place there but he's he's you know the, his classes are online so he's got some buddies you know back here so he'll come back and stay here a couple days a week and go back there and stay a couple days. it's not like it's you know a six hour drive so i see him a lot which is great and and but almost every day he'll say hey we were up a little bit we're down a little bit and i'm like buddy you can't, you know, if you're doing it, you can't write it out by the hour, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're going to kill yourself with stress. Uh, you know, <laughs> calm down just a second. One, you know, I, I've, you know, we've tried to tell them, look, it's not, you know, don't be throwing money away that you can, you know, throw money away that you get. And when I say throw, I shouldn't say throw money away. Put money into it that you can afford. If it hits zero tomorrow, you're not, like, wanting to go, you know, jump off a bridge or something, you know. I mean, at and and so I think he's doing that, but he is absolutely captivated by. I've not seen it. I don't know what the app looks like. It's interesting you mentioned that because he does enjoy. Um, and it's amazing what young people uh, find captivating now and how that might change the future. But he, you know, when I was his age, I was watching Sports Center and watching games and interested in all that stuff. He's literally he literally watches videos of YouTube of people playing video games. And commenting on yeah, it. the people are making tons of money. Yeah, to do it. the guy that he phenomenal. watches, the guy that he watches every day has eight hundred thousand. Um, it, it's a guy and like two girls that play video games and they comment on it and they post it on YouTube. My son watches their whatever forty minute show almost every day, and they're getting like eight hundred thousand views a day. And I don't know what that translates into, but they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars playing a video game. I told my son, you should stop watching and start <laughs> making the videos and get people to. Uh, <laughs> You know, to, to get people to watch that, but yeah, but you know, I, who would have thought that that would even be something? Like, that, like he likes the commentary and he giggles, and you know, there's some there's some uh, you know profanity in there that's kind of funny, and I can hear it in the other room, and every now and then I'll even chuckle a little bit. But they're playing a vi- so he's watching them play a video game on his phone, on his smartphone, um, while they're and then they just comment on it, and it's so it's just so weird. Um, but that's where, where we're at. So the Robin Hood thing, if you say it's like a video game, I'm sure that's part of why it's captured young people's, uh, you know, as you mentioned, young adults' imagination as well. But there is something valuable, I think, to just having somebody, whether it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks or a million bucks, um, you've got an app. And like you said, the technology now is that you can see what it's doing by the hour. Um, and in your case, uh, for the most part, you can see what it does and how it projects and where the money is and um, you know, you've got all this great technology that, that uh, you can sit down with somebody and, and uh, you know, basically plan the future and project the future. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're in for exciting times. You know, I, we can talk how, how bad, you know, how good or bad technology really is. <laughs> you know, we, 
or information. You know, we have more information today, so arguably, you know, we, we make the joke in our office. We should be the healthiest the country's ever been. Like, we could, we have the best weight loss secrets out there. Sure. We're all just overweight because it's still human behavior that makes it. So, I don't know. We have all this technology. We have all the social media, which social media, in my opinion, drives things faster. We've seen huge swings in markets. I mean, we saw a 38% drop followed by a whatever recovery in 38 days. I mean, it was crazy. And I just feel like information's traveling faster because it's more readily available. I'm not sure people make better decisions, but the thing that I'm encouraged by is people deciding to become engaged at a young age because if, you know, most things, if you buy them and you hold them for five, 10, 15, 20 years. So this is what I tell your son, you know, you buy this thing, plan on keeping it. Right. Like, Let's not buy it to sell it. Buy things you like, right? It, you you eat a start. You go to Starbucks. Great, own that. Own it for a long time, and most of those things will work out. And if we get a generation of young people to do that, they're going to be coming to me in 15 years saying, "Hey, I've saved all this money, but ultimately, what what does it mean, right? Because just having more money, what are we quantifying success in life? Right. They're going to quantify, hey, can I retire? Can I retire at 50 or 55? And that's when we'll become valuable. But I think it's neat that we have a young generation that's getting engaged in saving money um, and getting excited about it. Because most things, if you're not excited about it, you won't do it. And you'll appreciate this. Aunt Candy was in my office <laughs> right before I came here, okay? Yep. Dropping off some Valentine's Day gifts. And she said, hey, um, we'd really like to take Blakely out, which is my five-year-old daughter, and, yep. and have her get some tennis lessons. I said, you know what? She goes, what do you think? I said, I, I don't think so. And she goes, well, why? I said, she hasn't shown an interest. Like, if she's not excited about it, right? well, she's not going to like doing it. So that's what I think the parallel to, to this is. If you get excited about it, you're going to keep doing it. It's, it's kind of like an addiction. But if we make it a positive experience for people. So we're going to see the regulation that comes out of this long term because there's going to be some new regulation. But um you have any final thoughts for me, Mike? I appreciate appreciate you coming yeah. on here. You know, you could give us, uh, you know, this might be fun. Give us the rundown on what you think about Minnesota's chance at the tournament and what you think about the Hawkeyes. There you go. And how deep these Iowa Hawkeyes go. Give us your, like, couple-minute synopsis since I actually have. I mean, how how many times were you sportscast for the year? Oh, uh, I don't it's know. like it's, three it's or four times? Yeah, one, once back in Iowa when I was at WMT in 1999, which was a good year. Um, uh, 99 was a good year because in just past the turn of the century, 2000 um, is so we my son Jacob was born on January 5th, 2000. And, and at that time, remember, we thought the world was going to end because of, uh, you know, Y2K stuff. Uh, I'm doing a game. I'm actually doing a high school girls game at Marion, Marion against Vinton Shellsburg on WMT Radio is a Tuesday night game. Karen Schulte was uh, was my color commentator, former Miss Basketball. Uh, and, and she was a longtime worker at uh, 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 both uh, Farm News and Sports News and then went to Channel 2 for a while. Um, she's now into private business. But anyway, she, her and I were doing the game. My wife was pregnant. She was behind us. And at halftime, she's like, I think I'm, I think I'm having a baby. I'm like, well, sorry, you're going to have to hold on here. I got another half a basketball. <laughs> and so um, sure enough, we go to the hospital that night and uh, the next day, um, you know, so yeah, ninety nine, and then and then Jacob is born on on uh, in January of ninety of two thousand. 
Um, about 10 days later, I find out I won Sportscaster of the Year, so it was kind of cool, and, and um, you know, we, we moved on from there, uh, went to St. Louis, and now in Minnesota. Um, it, but I always enjoy, unfortunately, with the travel restrictions now, I can't get back home as much. Um, and, you know, we weren't allowed to come down to, to uh, Carver-Hawkeye when, when Minnesota and Iowa played in January. Um, and the Hawkeyes got some revenge on the Gophers one Christmas night. What, what, what more would you want to spend your Christmas night than at Williams Arena? Uh, which, and the Gophers won that game, uh, crazy game, in overtime where uh, the Hawkeyes had a seven-point lead with 40 seconds left and uh, couldn't hit some free throws, and Minnesota hit some clutch shots and, and ended up winning in overtime. Well, I think Iowa clearly is in the tournament. Um, both these teams are kind of reeling a little bit, Roger. You know, I think the Hawkeyes are one and four in their last five. Um, they got what they got beat by Indiana twice in that stretch in Ohio State and um, and the weird thing is I think they've played okay in some of those games they they went cold obviously in that Indiana game you know in that second half um, I, I think when when I think some of it too is the Big Ten uh, cannibalizes itself I'm hopeful for the whole league that when the tournament starts that they'll you know seeing some fresh faces and new blood. And there's always the other team's going to be unfamiliar, you know, with that team. I think the Big Ten will have some teams this year that can make some runs. And I think Iowa's set up for it. Um, I know that they give up a lot of threes, and I know they're a little suspect defensively. But I think that will, in, the, in, in, in the tournament, when they play that kind of 2-3, two, 3-2 three, three, two zone, I think that'll be okay for a while because teams don't see zones very much. So, um, and look, when you have Garza, you, you can ride Garza a long ways. So, if they get a couple bounces their way, it could be, you know, this this could be a potential Final Four team. Minnesota uh, snapped a three-game losing streak. They beat Nebraska. Nebraska is no good right now. Uh, Fred Hoiberg's trying to get them going. Um, they're going to play this wicked schedule for the rest of this month. They might not win a game. Um, and, and uh, you know, everyone's hoping that those games that got canceled, like Minnesota's supposed to play them in a makeup game, Iowa's supposed to play them in a makeup game, and they're praying that they do because they all need the wins, right? Because um, Nebraska's not very good. But the Gophers got the win Monday to snap the losing streak, um, but they've lost six of, six of eight as well. As if the tournament started tomorrow, they'd be in, but I think the Gophers still have some work to do. And it's going to be a really unique tournament, all in Indianapolis, very limited fans, um, and we'll see, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's been fun as a, as a Hawkeye fan to, to watch the team. It seems like most of the time we seem to have these good teams. We hit like these January, February blues. I don't know if the guys are losing their legs a little bit or what it is. They play a pretty up, up-tempo type of ball. Um, I wish we played a little more defense. I, I read something. They, they had some metrics out there that I was kind of between one and three in offense and between – 134th and 154th in defense. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, just a little more effort. But maybe they'll bring that at the game. And I, I wish the Gophers the best too, Mike. I know um, I've watched them. It seems like they're pretty athletic and have some fun players to watch. Very. And, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Rick Patino Jr. I think he's a he's a captivating guy. Maybe it's because we watched his dad yeah. you know, before that. But he seems to be a pretty captivating guy too. He's great. I love working with him. I know you get in the rivalries. It's almost like politics now. You have to hate. If you're a Hawkeye, you have to hate anything to do with the Gophers. It's like if you're, if you, you know, if you're a Trump person, you have to hate anything with the other side. And if you don't like Trump, you have to hate everything. You know, it, 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 there's, there's middle ground to be had. So I know uh, the Iowa folks listening are going to say, what? That, he, he thinks Rick, Richard Patino's a good dude. Trust me, he's, he's unbelievable. He's great to work with. He's funny. Um, you know, he's a smart aleck like I am. So we get along great. He'll text me in the middle of the day about, you know, just 
making fun of me and I'll fire back a text and uh, you know he's he's a great guy to work with um, and and they are they're they're a little bit of a schizophrenic team you know they have maybe the best win in the country right they beat Michigan the Gophers did and Michigan's only loss Michigan's ranked third um, the two teams ranked ahead of them have no losses so you think who has you know so Michigan the number three the only loss amongst the top three was a loss handed to them by Minnesota but then you know they've also lost at home to Maryland. Uh, which, which, you know, and they got beat bad by 12 points. Um, and they haven't won a road game, Minnesota. Uh, they're 11-1 and at home and like 0-6 and on the road. So they're very uh, inconsistent, but they have enough quality wins that, like I said, they're, they're in decent shape for a tournament. They still have work to do. The schedule's favorable, so they, sh- they should, you know, if they get three or four more wins, they should be in pretty good shape. And then, you know, as they say, you know, you get a chip and a chair and you got a chance when you get to Indianapolis, hopefully. Yeah, I, I like that. Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. I thought this would just be a fun show to kind of look back 20 years ago and how things are just coming kind of back to where they were yeah. 20 years ago, just delivered in a different way. Um, you know, all the listeners out there, if you do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. We always appreciate you guys to support us. Um, and, Mike, hopefully you'll come back and do this again. Absolutely, anytime. I loved it. I really had a good time. Thanks. All right, well, it's great seeing you again. You know, uh, and we'll, we'll check you out next time uh, for the Behind the Well Show. This is Roger Abel, btwellshow.com. Thank you. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional 